0: It is a complex issue, trying to break it down for our mob. One of the things that I said to Senator Pat Dodson recently when we were at Kalkaringi is the need to engage interpreters but work with Aboriginal people to look at pictorialising or making this story more easily understood about what is the voice. And how is the voice going to make a difference for Aboriginal people? When you're in a community and you're living in a house with 20, 30 people overcrowding, cost of living, you know, all of these issues are impacting on you. And then this other debate's happening on the side about, well, we need a voice to Parliament. How's that going to change or shift and be a force, I suppose, to be able to shift that policy for people. But I think once people understand that constitutional referendum, so constitutional change, which has never happened in this country before, particularly... Well, it has happened, and there have been a lot of failed, um, you know, referendums. We want this one to succeed, because Aboriginal people need an opportunity to be counted. And to for the preamble, so... <laughs> I suppose for all of us, we all have a birth certificate and that's what the Prime Minister keeps talking about is everyone has a birth certificate. That birth certificate tells us, it, it outlines our name, it outlines our identity, it outlines where we come from. The unfortunate thing about the Australian birth certificate is that it doesn't include Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people, but particularly First Nation people of this country in that certificate. And that's what needs to happen is the recognition of Aboriginal people as the first people in this country and and to recognise that. So that's one issue. So changing that. And then the second part is do we, as part of that reform, do we agree to a voice to Parliament? And the important part of this step, which people often miss, is that If we put this into the Constitution, it means that doesn't matter what government is in power, they cannot remove that body. Everyone saw how ATSIC was easily at a stroke of a minister's pen. They got rid of a statutory organisation that meant a lot to Aboriginal people. That actually worked. Yes, it had problems. But I think, you know, you don't throw the baby out with the bathwater because there are some issues. I think ATSIC did work for for our mob. We've never put or replaced ATSIC as, as that voice or representative of Aboriginal people. It'll be a voice that would advise the government, but the parliament, which I think is really important, that it should be a frank and fearless voice that... Um, it shouldn't be afraid to tell government or the parliament. Um, a bit like there is a, a body at the moment that reports directly to parliament and it's called the Australian National Audit Office and they report directly to parliamentarians. So ministers, government agencies, members of parliament cannot affect the way that that body reports to the, to the parliament. And I see that this could be the same way, that this voice could provide a voice to the parliament on whether this legislation's impacting, whether this policy is no good and this is what's happening. We all saw the intervention in the Northern Territory and we know that there were some good elements to it but there were also some really terrible elements to it that when we see some of the devastation in our communities today... That's a result of bad policy from 15 years ago and and it's still at play on the ground in our communities and we've got to stop reinventing that problem all the time. The Prime Minister with the Special Envoy has said and with Minister Burney that this is a debate um, that needs to be talked through with the parliament. And then certainly out in the community, there's a a lot of conversations. There's also a lot of confusion out there. And we saw some of that when we spoke to people at Kalkaringi. We have to understand what that is ourselves. I think as as parliamentarians, what is it that we're asking? Um, I said to to Senator Dodson and to Senator McCarthy and Minister Burney, because we've all been involved in this, have some idea about what this voice and what the shape of it is but that might completely evolve and be different once that Mm. discussion and consultation happens with community and that's where government shouldn't be prescriptive and allow this conversation to happen and to try and work out well what is it is it selected members how's this process going to work How do we make sure that we get the right representation? Is it going to be gender based? Is it going to be appropriate male, female representation? All of those issues have to be worked out and discussed and people need to feel that what we end up with before we go to a referendum, that this is going to be truly representative. Lawyers, constitutional lawyers, I think just lawyers per se, this is food, you know, this is this is food for their fodder. They, they like this stuff. Um, but we need to take it from that level and make it relevant to, to our mob and to look at well what is it that we're going to be putting to our mob and how do they understand this? I think most people know and they understood the concept of what ATSIC represented. Is there going to be regional bodies? Is this going to be is there going to be a, a territory wide body that You know, you have regional representatives that become... Because under ATSIC, we had five commissioners that then used to sit on the, you know, the Mm. broader commission. I mean, all of these things are open for discussion and we just need to work through it and be clear about what it is that we're asking people. It is broad at the moment and it's not prescriptive and I don't think it should be prescriptive because the minute it becomes prescriptive, then people will think, oh, well, government's already landed on what it should be, why are you then consulting when government hasn't landed on something? It's We need to have this conversation with community. What do they think this voice is going to be? There's been some great conversations out, Bush. Before the election, I had a forum out in eastern Arnhem Land with Thomas Mayer, who's been involved in the Uluru Statement of the Heart and all the conversations. And we had a fantastic forum with people out in eastern Arnhem Land. And they explained their Aboriginal governance and how their voice and, and how decisions are made and what their governance is and then translating that into should this be the process going forward? Remembering that makarata actually came from Eastern Arnhem Land and Macarada is about the coming together after, you know, a, a dispute or thing. So it, it's, they have... When they explain it, it all makes sense and you sit there and go, that's right. Sometimes we get caught up in too much of the detail and yet when you ask Aboriginal people, they can put it into their context of their governance and I think that that's the important part that we miss, that we need to allow Aboriginal people to turn this around. What is their concept of a voice and governance? and then bring this journey back so that it makes sense to government. I think the voice would be able to feed and to communicate and work across government agencies, work across the non-government sector, across the statutory sector. I think depending on what that ends up being, I think it would need to be a process of working right across government, but also not the non-government and community sector. It's not just about corporate Australia. I think it's also about the way in which the government machinery works. And I think that that's the important thing, not to detract from that, that it's taken us such a long time to get where we are with this conversation. And we shouldn't be afraid to go down this line because people think that it's going to slow that machinery down. I think that no matter what we do there's going to be an element of people on both sides some saying it's moving too fast and others saying no this is this is going to slow things down you watch a pendulum swing and it swings from either you know from the left and the right i think we've got to land in the center with this and look at what is going to be the value of this and how's this, what's the practical measures that we can put in place so that Aboriginal people, for the first time in this country, the unfinished business of this country, uh, that their voice can be heard by not just Australia but the world. I think it's time now for this country to take everyone on this journey to make sure that people understand that the sky is not going to fall in and it's not going to be a bad thing for Australia. If anything, it's a gift and it's an important gift that I think everybody can be part of. You know, we can think about whether it's going to be advisory. If it's statutory, will it be able to make um, decisions and say to government, we don't agree with this? I think, you know, there's a lot of legislation that goes before the federal parliament that impact on Aboriginal people, tax laws. Amanda Stoker's right. There are tax laws. Nobody ever considers Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander business or people in terms of tax reform. That needs to start happening. People need to start looking at what are, are those measures at a, at a high level in the federal parliament that impact on on Aboriginal people and how do we start turning this around so that on the ground in community there is a difference. We've got to get the jobs, we've got to get housing made better. So we've got to shift the way the policy makers and the federal government delivers those programs to state and territory governments. And I think that that's what's going to be important with this voice because it shouldn't no longer be a tick and flick exercise. And I think, you know, that's, that's what I'm excited about, that mm-hmm. there's got to be a level of accountability at the federal level uh, as to the delivery of policy and funding to state and territory governments.